Welcome back. This is Todd Sylvester with the Todd Sylvester Inspires Belief Cast. Thank you once again for joining us today. I want to thank our sponsor, Veracity Networks. Thank you for believing in me. And I also want to thank Paul Cardall for the wonderful music you're just listening to. He's an amazing man and one of my heroes. I am so grateful today to um, have this wonderful human being on our Belief Cast today. His name's Hayden Paul. Thanks for joining us, Hayden. Excited to be here. Yeah, thanks for being here. Um, Hayden was referred to me by another close mutual friend of ours, and I've been so excited for this. I've been waiting a few weeks to have him here, and he's finally here. Mm-hmm. And uh, I uh, I want to thank him for taking the time. A little background on Hayden. He's an advocate in the battle against pornography, a disciple of Christ, husband, soon-to-be father. Congratulations. Mm-hmm. Thank you. He's a United States Marine. I want to talk about that. And he's an, uh, he's an active he's active in the fight against child sex trafficking. And he, he just told me he woke, works at uh, Operation Underground Railroad. Yes, I do. That's awesome. Luckily. Um, he and his wife, Savannah, have a weekly podcast titled I Stand at the Door um, that seeks to help youth, parents, and spouses, and faith leaders navigate the complicated battle against pornography. Um, he has a website, which we'll get into, and I'll let him... Uh, share that with you towards the end so you guys can all go check it out so here we are Hayden thanks for joining us hey it's good to be here yeah so um, why don't you tell our listeners just a little bit about your background where you where did you grow up and about your family yeah so I grew up in Sandy um, and I actually went to the same uh, high school as you Brighton High School yeah go Bengals Uh, (laughs) and I graduated in 2014 so right now I'm 24 years old years old Um, my family growing up I'm the oldest of four children. Okay. And so I'm the older brother. I love it. Uh, my youngest sibling, she's 11. And so I kind of got that. She <laughs> almost to me seems like, and I don't know if you've experienced this, but it almost feels like more than a sibling. It almost feels like it's like a hybrid between having like a daughter and a, and a yeah. little sister where it's like you, you value her so much different. So for sure. Yeah, love. And I just have a great relationship with all my family and um, after high school, I served a mission for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints in uh, Budapest, Hungary. Oh, right on. Uh, which is a cool place. Yeah, I bet Eastern it is. Europe, hard language. <laughs> uh, not the most useful. I think I'm actually more likely to get struck by lightning twice in my life than to run into someone that speaks Hungarian. If yeah. If you take the whole world population. I'm sure, so. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm sure that language is tough to speak. I have a hard time speaking English still, know, right? Too. Let alone learn another language. <laughs> know, seriously. Right? Yeah. Uh, that's the funny part is, you know, you go on a mission, you're 18 years old. I mean, you can barely even speak English and you're supposed to speak a whole other foreign language and do this big work. And so right. it was awesome. I learned that I can accomplish anything I set my mind to. If I'm if I'm diligent and, and I work hard, then I can learn something. Right. Yeah, very difficult. Um, well, as, so at, growing up as a, as a child, did you have that same type of confidence? Did Were you were you that kid that kind of felt pretty sure of himself or no, did you struggle? No, I struggled a lot. I Talk actually, about that. Yeah. And we'll talk about this later too, as we get more into it. And it really contributed, I think, to my the issue I had with pornography growing up. But I always, and I had no reason to believe this whatsoever. But I always struggled with the idea that someone could love me. I quickly love and forgive. Like it's it's super easy for right. me. Sometimes to my own detriment, you know, where you just yeah. you you forgive too easily, <laughs> right. and you, so you just get you get um, mess with too much. But I. Uh, yeah, growing up, I always just had this little voice in the back of my head that says, yeah, you're unlovable, you're unlovable. And so mm. I, in high school, I was very susceptible to peer pressure and I would just kind of do things to get friends. Yeah. And I realized that to actually have friends, you can't be working to get friends. You have to you have to find something you're interested in and then friends come from right. that, you know? You just be yourself and then you find like-minded individuals who you want to be friends with. But if you're out there just searching for friends, you probably aren't going to find any. Right. And so, yeah, that's I, I, I wasn't always confident in myself. I wasn't always... Where do you think that um, came from? That You know, you said you had this voice, yeah. and we all have it, uh-huh. that voice in our head that tells us we're not good enough, you know, and that kind of thing. I mean... Why do you think you struggled with that? Did something happen, mm-hmm. or was it just something? Just, just growing up as a kid, this kind of what you yeah. felt. I don't. I don't know. I mean, my, I, nothing to do with my parents. Like my parents always loved me. Mm-hmm. They take care, uh, took care of me, and I had a great family situation. It just, I, I think I'm of the, of the opinion that you know sometimes we just have these proclivities towards negative yeah. ideas, sure. so that we can overcome them, and mm. and it ends up being a. 
uh, a strength later on, right? And yeah. so there's a there's a scripture that I really love, and it, it pretty much talks about how God gives us weaknesses uh, so that they can become strengths, yeah. so that we'll humble ourselves, and then those weak things will actually become strong, right? Yeah, I love that. And I really think that a lot of us are born with these 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 issues that we struggle with, whether um, with mental mm-hmm. health, whether it's physically, yeah. so that we can because gar- when you fight to overcome something like that, you just you don't just overcome it, but you gain all these attributes yeah. from trying to overcome it, right? Right. And I think that it's it's key having these weaknesses and you know having that voice in the back of my head. Um, it allowed me to humble myself and to figure out the truth, which is that I am lovable. Yeah. And then I I gained all these other attributes in the in the process of that. Wow, beautifully said. You know, one of the things I tell my clients all the time is adversity is your wake up call to your greatness. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't agree more that we have these challenges in order for us to work through them because it's going to make us grow, it's going to yeah, make us stronger, and again, it becomes our strengths, right? Mm-hmm. And I, and ultimately, that's why you're sitting here today, mm-hmm. because you've overcome some things, and probably at times still battling those things, mm-hmm. but here you are, and you've kind of you know gotten past that, but now here you are giving back, and I'm so grateful that you're willing to come share these things. I know um, at age 13, you came across pornography, mm-hmm. and tell us tell us about that, and tell us what kind of road this led you down. Because I know yeah. what I love about you, Hayden, is you're an open book about this. Because mm-hmm. you know it's almost like, oh, I don't want to tell anyone I yeah. struggle with pornography. Uh, but it's very it, taboo. It, very taboo kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and but guys like you who are out there talking about it are, are, are actually making it better for people mm-hmm. who are like, well, if they can talk about it and be then open, I maybe can. I can. Yeah. So talk about uh, how that happened at age 13. Yeah. So I think first off, my background of how I viewed pornography prior and kind of how it was addressed to me at a younger age. You know, I think a scare tactic is used more often than not um, when it comes to pornography, when it comes to teaching your children. And so, you know, especially kind of in in any sort of faith community, they're like, don't look at pornography because it's evil. It's lusting after someone. Um, It will, you know, look at these families that have been destroyed because of it. And the problem is, is it's just not effective. And you know this better than anyone. Fear is not an effective motivator. Right. It, it is a motivation, but it is it is it pales in comparison to sure. other other motivations, right? Right. And so what happened was, it's so it's so enticing. You know, when you're 13 years old, and and I know people that got into it when they're eight years old, where they stumbled upon it. Yeah. And even then, it wasn't really a sexual thing. It was more like a curiosity. Curiosity, thing, yeah. You know, and. But by the time when I was 13, you know, you start to go through puberty, you start to be attracted to girls more. And um, it was just, it was curiosity kind of, and also just that that inherent drive that drove me um, Mm -hmm. to look for it. Um, But the problem was, is that because it was addressed in a fear-based way when I was younger, that I didn't want anyone else to know that I had done that because then they were going to think that I'm like one of these bad people. Right, yeah. And... I think fear leads to shame and then shame is kind of that it's that barb it's the barb in the hook right mm. and so I was ashamed that I I looked at it and I didn't tell anyone about it and when I was 13 it didn't necessarily become like this huge problem but as time went on yeah. that that hook sunk deeper and that barb got longer oh. and longer and finally by the time I was 17, it was every single day I was looking at pornography. I would get kind of irritated if I couldn't. Um, I like, I would get like kind of like a withdrawal type thing. Sure. And I would isolate myself from my family and my friends so that I could look at pornography. Yeah. And it really just, it really affected uh, my self image. And it's funny because it's this, it's this loop, right? Where I I feel like I was talking about that, that belief that I had that limiting belief of that I'm not lovable. So what happens is you seek out pornography because it's like, oh, well, pornography is always going to love me. They're always inviting me in, right? right yeah. But then what it does is it reinforces that original belief, which is I'm unlevel because of this. And it's just this its this self-defeating cycle yeah. that only leads to despair. Right. Well, uh, go back to you said you felt shame. Mm-hmm. Will you just let our listeners know what's the difference between guilt and shame and why yeah. is one maybe better than the other? Yeah, so guilt is... 
uh, is the feeling you get when you do something wrong, but you know that you are not a bad person. When you do something bad, but you know you're not a bad person. Right. Shame is you do something bad, and therefore you think that you're a bad person, and so you're ashamed. You hide. Guilt, it leads to change. Yeah. Uh, shame leads to digression. Mm, good way and of saying it, yeah. I think that, um, for example... Um, so I'm like I said, like in the introduction, I'm a United States Marine and I'm reading this book right now called the warrior ethos. Mm. And it talks about how there's different motivations behind warriors. And there's like, there's the shame culture and there's the guilt culture. And so shame has been used, um, by warriors in the past to be like, I, I'm never going to desert because then I'm going to be ashamed. And like the Japanese, uh, war culture you know, they would fall on their swords. If they did something that would dishonor their, their family oh, or whatever, wow. they would fall on their swords. Right. Yeah. Um, and that's kind of what you do when you're ashamed. You say, I'm going to fall on my sword. So you did, you give up. That's, that's really what it yeah, is. You're kind of giving up yeah. where, where guilt, it's like, if you do something wrong, you work to fix it. Yeah. And, and that, and that's a, something that's motivated by a positivity, by a positive look of the future where Seamus says, you know, because I've been this way in the past, that's the only way my future is going to look. And so I might as well just give up. Wow. Yeah, that's it's very well said and defined that very well. I think because a lot of people I know with my clients, they, they're not sure what is the difference mm -hmm. between guilt and shame. And then when you mention it that way, they're like, oh, yeah, I'm feeling a lot of shame. Mm -hmm. I think I'm bad. Yeah. Right? Versus mm -hmm. I did something did bad. Did something bad. Right? Completely and, different. And I love how you said guilt makes you work for a solution where shame you digress and you mm -hmm. kind of you 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 don't resolve yeah. it yeah. yeah and i think that so we're not as human beings we can't necessarily just progress by ourselves we're not we're social creatures mm -hmm. we're supposed to to access our potential we need to access the resources that other people bring to the table right you know and when you're ashamed you don't want anyone else to know anything about about you, about the problem, right? Right. And so you isolate yourself. And isolation is kind of where any addiction festers, right? For sure. You know, um, whether it's with substance abuse or with something like pornography, when you, when you isolate yourselves because of shame. Mm -hmm. And what that does is allow you to just repeat that cycle over and over again wow. until the chains are just too thick where you can't break them yourself. Right. And it sounds like that's kind of where you had gotten to in, in your addiction with pornography mm -hmm. around age 17. Mm -hmm. Is that what you were saying? Yeah. Where it was like an, a daily thing Every and you'd get day. upset or, or, or grumpy or angry mm -hmm. if you didn't get a chance to look at it. Yeah. So take us, start back there from there and kind of what that led to. Yeah. And so what happened was um, I knew I, I wanted to serve a, a mission for the LDS church and you know, before you go on a, a mission like that, you, you know, you're supposed to be living the ideals of, of, of the church of, right. of Jesus Christ. And I knew that I had to get this fixed before, but like I said before, I was ashamed. I didn't want to share it with anyone. And, and with any sort of addiction or a bad habit, you really do need uh, other people to help you stay accountable. And so what happened was I was able to limit the amount that I viewed pornography, um, but I never completely took care of it. And so I, I lied. And, and you know, my, my church leaders, they asked me like, Hey, a lot of people struggle with pornography. Is this something you struggle with? And if so, like, I want to help you out. Right. And I was just so ashamed that I just, I lied to them. I just looked in their eyes and I lied oh, to them. Oh, you, you ended up lying. Yeah. Okay. And I lied all the way up until I went on my mission and this, and when I went on my mission after a few weeks, I, I had a realization like, I lied to get here and I'm not going to feel comfortable representing, you know, Jesus Christ, right. um, having done what I've done. And so finally after, you know, 13 to, I was 18 at the time, not ever divulging it to anyone. I finally talked to a church leader and I said, I've struggled with this and I've never told anyone I lied to get here. And immediately just like this weight was lifted off my shoulders. Really? Right. And it was so in, it was so freeing to say like hey i have had a problem and i haven't been able to fix it on my own and i just i think that a lot of times you know in in like a 12 step addiction recovery program like a big 
a big step is is confession and what right. one of the steps too is making a written list of all the people you've harmed and making restitution right For sure and these types of things and yeah and i i think more than anything there's an, a lot of times there's a negative connotation with confession or mm -hmm. or or you know restitution and i think it's nothing but positive because you're not just going there and saying hey i did something wrong right you're saying hey i believe i can be better and this yeah. is a step to towards that it's actually hopeful it's saying gotcha. i know that i'm not a lost cause that's why i'm coming here because i'm worth so much more than this problem that i've had wow and and i think that's the feeling that you get when you when you go and you confess some some struggle that you've had or you go and you and you share a burden with someone it's yeah. like I'm more than this. And this is me almost bearing my testimony to you that I'm more than this. Wow. That's wow. So you, so you share this on your mission. Mm -hmm. So talk about that. Cause a lot of times when you hear stories, someone shares that on their mission, they end up coming home mm -hmm. and you know, a lot of times they even struggle even worse because they feel shameful. Yeah, they feel shameful. I, uh -huh. you know, I go on this mission and I blow it and now I'm back mm -hmm. and now people are asking, why are you home? Yeah. And then and that kind of stuff. It just kind of, mm -hmm. so talk about what happened to you after you had shared yeah. that heavy news. Yeah. So I, 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 my church leader, he, he talked with me, we worked and he's just like, you know what? Serve, just serve. Wow. That's what you need to do. That's what the Lord wants you to do that. is serve. And so I went out on my mission and I did that. And my mission was the greatest experience of my life. I learned so many amazing things and I really became a different person. Um, the thing that was hard though is that I, I struggled with my thoughts. Sure. On my mission. You're still you having know, those you still thoughts. still have those yeah. thoughts and those images in your head. And so I, I struggled with those on my mission, but in terms of like, you know, habitual pornography or masturbation, like I didn't struggle with that. And then. Um, I get home from a mission. I have a completely changed perspective. I can see so much clearer because I don't have pornography clouding my mind clouding and my vision. Mind, right? right. And I'm just so excited to be home. And about three months later, and I find this to be the case with a lot of, a lot of guys in similar stories with me. Um, they fall back into pornography. They get back into social media. They start using their phones more and then they, they fall back into that same trap. And this time was completely different because immediately I reached out for help. I, I right. reached out to a church leader and I said, hey, I'd love to talk. And and <clears throat> what happened was even though I was honest, it was still rooting itself into my life. And I was so frustrated. And I learned this lesson that I have to face this for, forthright. And mm. I never did that before my mission. Right. I never lived normal life because as a missionary, life is so much different. You're engaged in teaching the it's, gospel all yeah, day. Yeah, it's totally You're, different when you mm -hmm. get home, right? Yeah, and it's totally different than just normal life. Yeah, put that in quotations. But, sure. Um, and so I learned that I needed to learn how to live life without pornography, and that that was going to be a process. And three years later, I'm finally. This I think this week is a, f a full year since I've looked at pornography, and wow, and before that, thank you. And, and before that, it was like six months, and then I had one mess up, and then and then right. it's been a year. And so it's really been a, a while since I've been you know yeah. free from this, and it was a process that took me to some dark places with myself, so frustrating, so long, and. Um, I've never been so grateful for a trial in my whole entire life. Wow. Well, speak about that for mm -hmm. a minute. Why are you grateful for it? Yeah. So it's, it's for that same, <laughs> it's that reason that we I talked mean, I about know earlier. Yeah. yeah. Where it's, <laughs> it's, it's so weird. And from a spiritual aspect, this is how I can, this is mm -hmm. how I can share it. There's a, there's a story in the Bible where Jesus Christ talks about turning water to wine, right? Yeah. And in this story, there's a detail in there that I think we overlook sometimes, but I think it's pertinent to the story where um, Jesus asks these servants to bring him these pots that are used for the ritual cleansing of the Jews. And so a little bit of history with Jewish ritual cleansing yeah. is you, anytime you went and you ate or you went to the, a temple or you went to a marriage feast or to anyone's house, you would perform what's called ritual cleansing. And you'd take a cup and you'd pour water over your hands and it would fall back into the base, basin and you pour over each hand three times. 
And then um, you would go in and that represented washing yourself from your sins, cleansing yourself from your mm, sins. Okay. Right. And so he uses these pots that are you that are used to hold the sins of all present. Mm. And he takes that dirty water and he turns it into wine and then it nourishes them. And so this is what I found is that sin is only faith destroying. It only brings negativity into your life. It's dirty unless you bring it to the savior. And what that means is, is repenting or, or changing going, whether it's going through a 12 step program, whatever it is, overcoming. And then it turns out that this dirty water is now nourishing you and and I found that to be the experience that this this problem with pornography that I faced, if it was never taken care of, it only would have led to my demise. Right. But because I brought it to the feet of the Savior and I changed, it has now nourished my faith. I am I am stronger. I'm a better person because right. of it. And so faith destroying sin has turned into faith promoting experience. Dang. And so and I awesome. think that's really that's really what it is, is when you when you set out to change, then all of the negativity in your life, when you look back in retrospect, will only bring positivity right. once overcame. Right. You know, you mentioned thank you for sharing that's yeah. powerful. You know, you mentioned you were you were lying to everyone about it before. Mm-hmm. How did lying keep you stuck? Because mm-hmm. I know that's a yeah. big part of the addiction in addiction general. Process, right? Yeah. So there's this awesome quote that I love. And uh, it goes like this. It says, um, every lie you tell incurs a debt to the truth. And sooner or later, that debt will be paid. Whoa. And what happens is you either pay that debt willingly or you're going to get your house foreclosed on. You're going to have to sell everything you have. And pretty much, you know, the the moral IRS is going to come and take everything that you have. Right. right? Yeah. And so it's important to start making those payments. Yeah. I, I find it easy to just get it all out as quick as possible, but you know, sometimes it just takes telling the truth little at a time, little at a time. Like when you yeah. have all these lies and what happens is, um, th- when you, every single lie you tell, you have to cover up with another lie and another lie, another lie. And it gets so big that that the reason why you keep lying is because, you know, getting that lie out there, it seems like it's going to cripple you. But the problem is, is it's only going to get bigger. Your best course of action is to take care of it now because it is not going to get smaller in the future. It's only going to get bigger. Right. You know, and that's, that's the, that in itself is a lie that you're going to be able to, you know, just keep managing all these lies that you're telling to yourself, to others and that someday it's just going to all go away, but it only gets bigger. And so for anyone that's listening that maybe has, you know, some sort of lie that they've been telling, you have no better course of action than to take care of it right now. If you wait any longer, it only gets bigger. The betrayal mm-hmm. trauma or whatever right. is only going to get larger. Your best course of action is taking care of your problem now. Now, Wow. You know, so if... What do you do now? Because you mentioned mm-hmm. you struggle with still with the thoughts and some obviously mm-hmm. images at times, I'm sure, come yeah. into your mind. How do you deal with that? Like, what yeah. is like your course of action for that? Because I think mm-hmm. a lot of people listening might go, yeah, I'm kind of where he's at. I, I'm, I'm, I haven't been looking at it, but I'm still, my thoughts are just yeah. like consuming. What, uh-huh. what, what have you done that's been helpful in that realm? And how has sure. like even your spirituality and your faith in God mm-hmm. helped you in that? Yeah, so I um, now, luckily now, and for about the last year, I actually don't struggle with those sort of thoughts anymore. Okay, but for okay. a large port, you know, for a long time, I did. And what I've learned is that you can't leave empty space in your head. There's no such thing. You can't if right. you have a limiting belief. Let's say, yeah, you can't just take that limiting belief out and then just have an empty space there. Mm. You have to replace it. And so you have to replace your mind with good, uplifting things. Okay. And you, and, and what that looks like, and it may be different for everyone, you know, maybe it's, you know, an hour of meditation a day 
or I know like 30 minutes of meditation a day. Maybe it's, you know, reading positive, uplifting books for me is reading the scriptures every day, engaging in, in personal prayer. And I, uh, I learned this something about resilience. I, I wear, I actually don't have it on me right now. Normally, um, I wear a bracelet that just says resilience on it. Mm. And because I'm not a lot of things, I'm not, I'm not the most talented. I'm not the, the smartest, um, but I am one thing. I'm not the strongest, but I am one thing. I'm resilient. Right. I don't give up. I don't give in. And that's really what it is where every single time you have a bad thought, you fight it. Every single time you have a bad thought, you fight it over and over and over and over and over and over again. Right. Until finally you win. Yeah. And, and and now I don't have to like maybe every once in a while a lewd thought will come to my head, but I, I practice so much that I can just I can push it out, right? Yeah. And I think when it comes to anything that has to do with overcoming an addiction or a habit, the key is resilience. Right. Love that. How is your uh being a Marine, mm-hmm. the training to be a Marine, I'm sure, has that helped you with kind of this mentality you're talking about? Yes, no, for sure. <laughs> I, I love, I love the Marine Corps. I love uh, uh-huh. all the things that that you can learn. It's actually, it's actually very interesting. All the parallels you can draw from, you know, um, war strategy and tactics, and apply uh-huh. it to, you know, addiction recovery. There's so many things there. Sure. And, and I learned, you know, once again on um in the marine corps that you are capable of so much more than you give yourself credit for right you 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 give up i give up at about like probably 40 percent of my capacity yeah and if i can break through a mental barrier then then you can you can access the other 60 percent and it's crazy yeah and um i just for anyone that is struggling with any sort of addiction or or habit just keep pushing forward every single day. It's the consistency, it's the resilience, and eventually you do find freedom. There's so many weaknesses right now that I'm working on that I thought that uh, <laughs> the, the Marine Corps would have solved for me. Like it's hard for me to wake up in the morning like early and like attack the day. Really, I, it, it's so hard for me, and that's my new that's my new weakness. <laughs> that's the that, new like, one. I'm, yeah, that's the one you're working on. on yeah, now. that's the one nice. I'm working on right now. Sweet and. Um, but I know that if I'm resilient, if I keep trying, if I don't just say, all right, well, mm-hmm. whatever, I'm just, I'm not the type of person that wakes up early and attacks a day. As long as I never get to that point, there's going to uh, probably a year from now, maybe two years from now, it's just going to be so, Yeah, it's going to be a part of me. I can relate with that. I used to really struggle with getting up in the morning and I, I told myself my belief was, well, I'm not a morning person, Yeah, uh-huh. right? I'm a night owl. <laughs> so I'd stay up late and I just struggle getting out of bed. But it wasn't until I changed that belief. Mm-hmm. No, I'm a morning person. I get things done. I can pop out of bed like a yeah. piece of toast. Uh-huh. And so I can now get up at 4 a.m. and just pop out and I'm ready to rock and roll. When, when and do you usually wake up in the morning? Is that 4 a.m.? You wake up at 4 a.m. every every morning. Uh-huh. <laughs> what the heck? Yeah. What time yeah. do you go to bed? 10 o'clock. 10 o'clock. Yeah. Holy cow. But I'll, and, and the reason why I bring that, I'm not, this isn't yeah, about yeah. me. I just, no, I, I want you to know that I think what you're saying is it takes time. It take. I thought there's no way I'll ever wake up early in the morning. I hate getting up early, mm-hmm. but now I absolutely love it. But it, there was that process involved. And we were talking this off, off air here uh-huh. where we were saying, we all want it now. Yeah. We want, we want to. As soon as we make up our mind, okay, everything's fine. No, mm-hmm. there's a process involved, whether yeah. it's, you know, getting up earlier, you know, or overcoming a pornography addiction yeah. or getting rid of those negative thoughts. There's a process involved. Mm-hmm. It takes time. And it takes work. And I think why I asked you, you know, how does your Marine training helped you? Because mm-hmm. you learn how to work hard. Yeah. You're probably already a hard worker. You went on a mm-hmm. mission, did all these things. But being a Marine, I would imagine they don't mess around you can't just be lazy Mm -mm. right Mm -mm. you got to work hard consequences are so much bigger and that's that's what i love one of the things that i love from from the marine corps and my military training is that everything matters everything you do the small things that you do Mm -hmm. matter yeah and things like organization cleanliness It, it, it seems so dumb like when you're when you're going through boot camp if you they, they can pick out just the littlest <laughs> sure. things and just roast you on it. <laughs> and the reason is, is because if you can't pay attention to the details, then 
essentially those details will get bigger and bigger and bigger until you know you're responsible for something really bad that's happened you know right. either whether whether it involves your life or the life of your brother to your left or right because you didn't pay attention to those okay. details um one of the things that i that i learned i think that applies directly to to the fight with pornography um is the importance of setting in um uh Okay, I'll I'll just explain. I don't know. I don't know the way to articulate other okay. than this way. So, sure. a lot of times when people are struggling with pornography, they don't put blocks and stuff on their phones because they're like, I need to learn how to overcome this without that. Because the problem is with me, so I just need to learn how to control my thoughts and behaviors, mm -hmm. and I don't need to put these blocks on my phones or do all these these things. It makes me feel childish, like a kid, right? right. Especially with like the older crowd. If you're in your twenties or thirties, <laughs> right. it's like, yeah. oh, I have to have. You know, my wife or someone. Yeah, put sorry, a block I don't have that phone. access. Yeah, <laughs> I don't have access on that. You feel, you feel stupid. And yeah. the way I look at it is this: it's so important to do things like that because, um, you know, when you're in the cycle of looking at pornography, it's kind of like when you go into the ocean, you're getting tossed about by waves. So, like, if you go, if you've ever been like in Hawaii and you get this pummeled by like a huge wave uh -huh. and you don't know which way's up. And then finally you get, you get your bearing, you stand up and then another wave hits Hit you, you again and hits you and hits you. And what happens is you're not going to be able to make any strides in your recovery until you stop the access to it. So it's like, if someone's addicted to, you know, any other sort of substance, it's like figure out the, and depending on how heavy the addiction, sometimes right. you have to taper off. Right. Yeah. Or, but you know, you, you eventually get to the point where you just cut off access to it. Um, and you, that's why people come to facilities like, uh, like a rehab facility or anything like that is because it's like let's stay away from it so that way you have a moment to kind of get your head on straight and organize your thoughts and figure out the root of the true problem oh, and that. in the military if I were to take if I were to put the the Marine Corps uh, military strategy into like a couple words it would be um, cover and move and mm. or, or fire and maneuver and what that what that means is that you never we have this saying that says um, suppression. So suppressing fire, for those who don't know, is like firing at the enemy to keep their head down. Um, so you're not oh, necessarily okay. trying to kill the enemy. You're just, you're firing near the enemy's position. So that way they're not looking up and firing at you. Yeah. Right. So you're suppressing the enemy. So we have this saying gotcha. that says suppression without movement is a waste of ammo, but movement without suppression is suicide. Whoa. So what a lot of people find is that unless you suppress the enemy. So for me, it was, it was putting blocks on my phone, um, and things like that. Unless you can, you know, keep the enemy's head down, yeah. you're not going to be able to make actual movements to actually taking your objective to actually destroying the enemy. Right. Right. And so what happens is in the, in the military, you fire at the enemy's position, you try to keep their head down and then another element moves. They set up, fire at the enemy's position, keep the enemy's head down, the other ele element moves. And you slowly close in, right? Oh, okay. And you can't get impatient with it because if you get impatient with it, then people die. People die. They die. And so when it comes to addiction recovery or especially when it comes to pornography, you have to set in those sort of suppressing fire um, things in order to get to the point where you can close in on the enemy and actually seize the objective. Wow. That's so well said. Yeah. And it's, it, it paints this good picture. Yeah. It's just like this, cause it is a war, it is a battle. And, yeah. and when you can think about it in a strategic mindset like that, then you're able to kind of just make more sense of the whole recovery process. Right. So speaking of that, then what mm -hmm. do you, what is your, you know, thoughts on social media? Because yeah. obviously this is a big thing now. I mean, mm -hmm. you know, I, I heard it once said, we used to look up for inspiration. Now we're all looking down. Mm -hmm. And social media has taken over. Mm -hmm. It just has. Let's be real. Yeah. So what do, What are your suggestions around that? Or what are your thoughts around that? I'd just love to yeah. hear what how you handle that in your sure. life. Social media is a hard thing. So I have a Facebook um, because mm -hmm. I that's how I keep in touch with a lot of people. Sure. Um, from my mission and things like that. But I find myself having to catch myself because – the thing that people need to understand when it comes to social media is that the people that create it don't have your best interests in mind. Right. They only care about your eyes on their screen so that they can make money. Right. And so 
you don't think that they have some benevolent plan where it's like, oh, we want to create this so it's not too addicting because we don't right. we don't want people this to take over people's lives. No, they want you on it as much as possible so mm-hmm. they can make more and more and more and more and more money. Right. And so the way they design social media is inherently to be addictive. Yeah. To, to take your attention from other things. And and it's it's cool too, like the psychological the psychology behind it is they try to fragment your attention as much as possible. So they don't want you paying attention to one thing for too long right? because then it will take you from the next thing. So you can get your, so if you pay attention to one thing too long, then it's like, oh, okay, I got my fill. They want you to pay attention to one thing until another thing grabs your attention. Right. And it's just this constant loop of taking your attention, taking your attention, taking your attention. Yeah. And so I really, sometimes I just have to like, like I don't have the app on my phone. Sometimes I'll block it. I'll use the parental block and I'll like, I'll be like, I need a week without Facebook. And I'll like, I'll put that, I'll put Facebook in my parental block. I'll be like, all right, there we go. I don't have to worry about Facebook for a week, you know? Um, but in, in terms of my recovery with being able to get a handle on pornography, uh, I, I learned that social media was, um, a preliminary, act towards me looking toward to pornography. Yeah, and that's why I brought that up because a lot mm-hmm. of my clients that I'm working with, you know, they'll relapse and they said, yeah, it started with me on Instagram mm-hmm. and I would just started going through maybe some things I shouldn't be looking yeah. at, which led to them. Uh-huh. That's why I asked. Yeah, and you have to, what you have to do is, so for example, if someone's addicted to alcohol, then a lot of times they'll find out, oh, I actually have to get rid of coffee and cigarettes, or I have to get rid of cigarettes yeah. because cigarettes leads me to want to drink alcohol. But then what leads them to drink cigarettes? Oh, coffee. Usually yeah. I want a cigarette after I drink coffee. Sure. So what they have to do is like if they want to get a handle on the alcohol thing, they have to get a handle the cigarette and mm-hmm. the coffee thing. Yeah. Um, and you kind of have to do the same thing with something like this is you have to uh, – and in the, in the military as well, anytime you, you go out on a patrol and you get an enemy contact, you write what's called an after-action report. So you, you write about the, the incident that happened, if there's yeah. any casualties, um, if any equipment was destroyed – uh, what you learned about the enemy, kind of, uh, you just, it's a really comprehensive report. Sure. And you have to do the same thing anytime that you relapse. You say, all right, what what well, led me yeah. here? What are the decisions that I made? Because um, for those of you who can empathize with this, when you are, when you have a problem with pornography, you make choices up until a certain point. And then there's this point where like the animal brain turns on and it's yeah. like, there's no, you're not stopping at that point. Yeah. And um, so what you have to do is like, you have to take those steps back and be like, what were those decisions that I made earlier when I had my agency, when I had the ability to choose, what were those choices and how do I make sure that I don't go down that same route? Right. And for me, Instagram was a huge one where I just had to end up, I just deleted my account completely. So I don't have Instagram anymore. Um, and that, that was for me. And I feel like that's a lot of people, like I know some dudes that are like, all right, I'm done with smartphones for a little bit. And that's their way of suppressing fire. Sure. You know, they're like, okay, I'm just going to go with a flip phone for a while, get my head clear. And mm-hmm. then, you know, later on, then they can introduce a smartphone back because they are really useful and they're great tools. But yeah. Yeah. They really are a lot of good them. you can do with those. But mm-hmm. yeah, I love that. And what I call that is in it to win it. I'll do whatever mm-hmm. it takes. If that means I got to go back to a flip phone for a little while. That's what I'm going to do Yeah, because I need to kind of stop what's been going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. I really love that. Um, shifting gears just a little bit, you know, I, I think you were involved in creating a, a program mm-hmm. in the YSA ward, yeah. right, called the Healing and Recovery Program. Is that correct? Yeah. Tell uh-huh. us about that. Yeah, so um, I I was involved in as much as I – I was in it, and then I made a couple suggestions oh, to ch- okay. change it. So I didn't create it myself. It okay. My uh, my stake president, my my church leader, he was the one who who um, brought that to me, and it was amazing. So a lot of the feedback that I got when I reach out to people for, for pornography was just like, you know, keep you know keep praying, keep reading your scriptures, keep going to the temple, keep doing those spiritual things. Um, and eventually it's going to go away. But I felt like yeah. really what it was, and this is the analogy I use, is I'm in the ocean. I'm struggling to keep my head above water. And then there's people on a ship, and they don't have any bad intent. And they're just like, keep swimming, keep swimming, keep swimming. And that's what I kind of felt is that people were just telling me to keep swimming. And I'm like, yeah. throw me a life raft. Right, this is exhausting. Please. Yeah. <laughs> I'm getting tired. Yeah. And um, finally I get to this um, um, this congregation 
that the leader there, he, he calls me in and I tell him, cause I'd always been open and honest after my mission that I struggled with it. And he's like, let's get a handle on this. I have this program. It's called the 12 step healing and recovery program. And it's a modified addiction recovery program. Mm. And the reason why I think this was so valuable is not everyone is addicted, right? Sure. So you can, you can struggle with an addicting substance without being an addict right, right for sure where yeah. and, and it's really easy for us to see this with alcohol right so like there's there's the the guy who drinks every single day and yeah. can't go without it then there's the guy who drinks three times a week then there's a the guy who gets plastered every single weekend yeah and then there's a the guy who just drinks at certain events and so they're all they're all using the same substance and the substance is addictive yeah but they're not all in the same category and so right. if you take a guy who, you know, he just has a problem, like on the weekends, he'll just get plastered and he wants to stop right. getting plastered. If you take him to an addiction recovery program where it's just people that are like every single day, they can't, it's harder for them to relate. Yeah. And a lot of it is just too, it's not, it's not as specific to their situation. Okay. So the healing and recovery program, you know, was for people that, um, you know, weren't clinically addicted oh, to gotcha. pornography, okay. right? Yeah. And so, you know, cause there's a lot of guys that it's a couple days a week, um, or once a month or once a week. And, yeah. and, uh, so what, what happened was you, you go to these 12 step meetings, uh, once a week and they would just talk about just, it's pretty simple. They would just talk about the step that week that you're going through. And then everyone would just go around and share just like a normal one. Um, but it was specifically for pornography. Um, because our church has an addiction recovery program, but it's for all addictions. Sure, right? it's kind of a and, broad. And kinda, and I went to yeah. I went to one of those at the beginning, and like there were people there that like had serious struggles that were very and not. And I don't want to minimize my struggle or anyone right. else's, but like they were really heavy, and I just I almost felt like an imposter being there. I'm like, right, I like, shouldn't be here. Like, <laughs> like I like what I've gone through and the way my life's gone is is nothing compared to like some of these people that have like had real trials in their life. Yeah. And so I, I didn't feel I had kind of imposter syndrome. Like I'm going to this yeah. addiction recovery program. Yeah, well, I don't belong here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so, um, we, uh, we would do those and we just, we'd share and it was the most uplifting meeting in my whole entire life. Like to be able to just go and the humility that is shown there and the brotherhood that was given it just it gave me the strength to move forward and for anyone who's listening who has wondered like what should i go to a group no matter what your struggle is um with addiction um whatever the source of addiction is i should say go to a group the reason why it's so important is because at certain points you can't see the light at the end of the tunnel right your addiction's so far in right. your face that you can't see the light at the end of the tunnel and so to go to a meeting where there are people that are at different phases of recovery yeah. and for them to bear their, you know, their testimony that, you know what, I hadn't seen the light, but now I see the light yeah. or I'm getting really close to the light or I'm stepping through the light or I've, I'm in the light and I'm, and they're just there inviting people and trying to be like, keep going, keep going, keep going. To go to a meeting like that is so helpful in your recovery because it just, it gives you a renewal of hope. Wow. Because a fighting an addiction is exhausting yeah. and it's it's tiring and you want to give up and to be able to go and just get that renewal of hope every week it's it was key. Yeah, it's like someone threw you a life preserver. You don't mm -hmm. have to swim so hard anymore. Yeah, you uh -huh. can just rest. For I a can second. rest for a little bit. Yeah. yeah, like I can finally get my bearings a little mm -hmm. bit. Okay. Get your bearing. Get your bearing. Yeah. Gain some strength and come up with a strategy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the uh, to go along with that, just to kind of finish up what yeah, the program looked like. There was go to that. Um, you had a, an accountability partner that was assigned to you as well, and you would text them every single day, um, and just say it was a good day. If you messed up, you text them, and mm -hmm. and you would meet with them, and they just kind of they would just give you, you know, first off, accountability accountability is huge when it comes to overcoming any sort of bad habit, and also they they were also another source of just hope. Um, they loved you independent of how many times you messed up. Yeah. And that was, that was awesome. And it also having an accountability partner, it allows you to renew that humility and honesty over and over again. So every single time you mess up. So if you're only talking with someone once a week or 
once every other week or once a month, what happens is you you have to you only have to be honest one time. And right. if you messed up, like let's say it's just once a month, you messed up at the beginning of the month. Like it's a it's a lot easier to come in and say, oh, I messed up at the beginning of the month, but I've been good since then. Yeah. But it takes so much humility and honesty to screw up, and then 15 minutes later, text an accountability partner and say, I screwed yeah. up again. Yeah, that's and true. It helps you change. It helps you maintain that humility wow, and that honesty that. that is so key to yeah. overcoming an addiction. Sounds like an awesome program. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. Awesome, awesome yeah. stuff. And um, to go along with that, there was like scripture study every day, prayer, um, and uh, doing something called indexing, uh, which for those of you who don't know, it's it's pretty much um, it's g g it's getting information from like documents and putting them into the computer so people can find um, things pertaining to family history. Right. Gotcha. And uh, it was yeah, it was all just it was all necessary. They're all just a little piece of the puzzle. Yeah. Beautiful. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, we mentioned at the beginning of this, you and your wife have a weekly podcast called I Stand at the Door. Mm hmm which is symbolic, which yeah. we can talk about. But tell us about uh, this new adventure you're doing yeah. here. So we, <laughs> um, I, I went on a podcast about a month ago, and I just told my story. And for me, this is not a taboo subject because I talk about it. It's I've been open about it right. for a while. I've, sure, I've yeah. spoken to congregations, <laughs> yeah. church congregations. I've, I've worked with friends and family to help them mm -hmm. and their struggle with it. And so to me, it's not taboo. And so I kind of almost forgot like, oh, this is not a taboo subject. And then I went on this podcast and dozens of people reached out and said, for the first time, I feel like I'm not alone in this. Yeah. I, I feel like you spoke about it in a de-shaming way for and, sure. I, and I want to change now. And we just felt overwhelmed and just felt like God was saying like, Hey, people need this. People need, there needs to be a change in our culture. And I just need you to tell your story and then point people to me and I'll help them out. Yeah. And so, so That's me and my awesome. wife, we, uh, we just decided like, you know what? I don't know a ton about doing a podcast. She was really nervous about it. She's not as, uh, not, she was she wasn't as excited about right, it as yeah. me. She hasn't talked about it as much. <laughs> sure, as I have. sure, yeah. And we just we thought. Well, it's vulnerable. You know, you're being yeah. you're putting yourself out there, mm -hmm. right? You know, you're putting yourself out there, and yeah. then also there's just like the there's like that part in you that's like, oh, is anyone gonna listen? Am I gonna get obsessed with trying to get people to listen? Am I gonna get if people don't listen? Am I gonna get uh, right like, feel bad? You know, discouraged. <laughs> yeah. And so we finally were just like, you know what? Let's do it. And so we started this podcast called I stand at the door and the reason we call it that is because uh, there's this famous famous picture um, of Jesus Christ standing in front of a door and knocking and I, uh, I I've always loved that picture because there's no doorknob on his side of the door yeah. and so you have to be the one to let him in mm. and I've always asked myself the question what is it that keeps us from letting him in yeah and in my experience I think that it's because we have a dirty house and we don't want to let oh, such wow. an important guest into such a dirty house. Sure. And so what we do is we're like, okay, I'm going to straighten it up first. Then I'm going to go to the Lord. And what this does is it, it, it tricks us into thinking that we can handle these problems on our own. And what happens is our house just gets more and more and more and more dirty. And then it could get to the point where our house is so filled with junk that we can't even get can't to the even, door. Right. You know? And so, um, uh, that's good, pretty much the good visual. Yeah. The purpose of the podcast is to de-shame de the problem with pornography so that people can feel comfortable to open the door and say, right. this is, this is who I am. I want to change. And, uh, that's it, really the purpose. Is this where you're bringing on guests or is this more of just mm -hmm. you and your wife talking about a subject or is yeah. it both or? Yeah, we want to do both. And so yeah. the way that we've done two episodes, our third one's coming out this next Sunday. Nice. Um, and these ones are just. Uh, her and I talking and the reason I love her being on it too is because um, although women struggle with pornography as well uh, it's primarily a male right like a male issue mm -hmm. and there's a lot of spouses who feel you know a little they feel you know hopeless when it comes to it because their spouse is struggling with it and they don't know how to deal it and so my wife gives a really good perspective for women on how do you how do you deal with it from a spouse's perspective? Yeah, um, from someone who loves someone that is struggling with this problem, and 
um, she's also just very, very spiritually minded and very smart as well. And so, um, so we, yeah, we have episodes where we, we just talk about certain, certain issues. And then I have a, a friend who is a, as a counselor and he, he specifically, he specifically helps people with pornography. And so, um, after this next Sunday, the next Sunday, we're going to do a question and answer because I've gotten dozens of uh, like tons of questions from people. Um, after that first podcast and we're just going to sit down and him and I are just going to an- talk about those questions Great. and eventually I want to get other people on to share their stories sure, and yeah. I really just want it to be a resource for people who um, you know struggle with pornography who have someone in their life who struggles with pornography mm-hmm. um, or just anyone who's trying to overcome something and and is looking towards Jesus Christ to to help in that yeah I love it that's exciting mm-hmm. Yeah, very cool. So, um, you we mentioned also as well. You, you work at uh, Operation Underground Railroad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what a great place, right? Mm-hmm. And and obviously their 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 fight against child sex trafficking. Talk about that and yeah. and what your role is there. Yeah. So right now I'm um, in the donor relations aspect of Operation Underground Railroad. Okay. So I, I get to do I do public speaking. Um, I do. I work with uh, individuals and, and companies to raise money and awareness. And, okay, um, it's an awesome job. I love it. Uh, it's it's one of those things where I'm happy that I get to be a part of it, but I'm sad that I have to be a part of it. You know, where it's yeah, like, right. The, the fact that there is child sex trafficking and it is as prevalent as as it is, it's 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 really sad. But if it's gonna be there, then I want to be on the team that's fighting against it. Exactly, you know? and so. It's a, yeah, it's a great organization and, you know, we've, we've assisted in rescuing over 4,000 survivors of human trafficking um, and we've assisted in the rest of over 2,500 traffickers. Really? Um, So it's a, that's, yeah, it's crazy. You know, that's amazing. But I'm part of that sad feeling too, as you know, there's so much more out Mm. there, you know, that are, that's going on. Mm. But it's great. I'm grateful yeah. for an organization like this that's actually out there fighting yeah. it. It's just it's kind of like the we use the starfish analogy a lot. You know, you've heard the story yeah. where there's the boy throwing the starfish, and I actually I've heard you share it on your podcast before. Yeah. Um. You know, the boy's throwing the starfish into the ocean, and the whole beach is covered in them, and he doesn't want them to dry out and die. And someone comes up and asks, "Why are you doing that? There's a whole beach." Uh, what you're doing doesn't matter. And, he, and then he throws one in and he says, well, it mattered to that one. Exactly. And that's really what it is. There's there's an estimated 2 million children that are being sold for sex, um, 10 million um, that are being f- sold for labor and sex, that are being trafficked, that are being enslaved. Um, and it's just a drop in the bucket, but it matters for the one. Yeah. And um, wow. it's great to be part of something that is so purpose-driven. That's beautiful. Mm-hmm. You know, if if there's someone listening to your story right now, and I know there is, mm-hmm. who's struggling, who's battling, you know, pornography and everything that comes with it, you mm-hmm. know, the the depression, the shame, and um, at times, you know, even suicidal thoughts and things like that. What advice could you give them? What what could you tell them right now if they feel like they're stuck in this mm-hmm. spot and they're not sure what to do? Mm-hmm. The first thing is that you're not alone. I thought that I was alone for so long. I thought that I was the only one that struggled with it. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that I was dirty and that if anyone ever knew about this, that they would never, no one would ever want to be my friend. No one would ever love me. And it's just not true. You're not alone. And there is actual hope and healing. The other thing that I would say too is that the process is long. It's arduous but it's worth it. Mm. And you're going to come out stronger on the other end. Yeah. You're not going to be beaten down. Right. You you will be beaten down during the process. You're going to be tired. But when you come out on the other end, you're going to turn around and you're going to be a different person and you're going to be better. Wow. I love that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cause I, I'm, I'm, I think a lot of people, that's where they get maybe frustrated. And I'm speaking from just interviewing thousands of clients over the years Mm -hmm. where they get to that, I didn't realize how hard this was going to be. You know, like you said, it it takes time. There's a process involved. And again, we're, we're so like, I want it now kind of, you know, mentality. But I love that you said that. I think it does take time, but we will be stronger and better for it because we went through that process. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. And I just, I think that 
it's important that we have that long term. So I think one thing that I think is a very useful um, kind of um, process to go through is take the road that you're on and fast forward 10 years. Where is that going to take you? Mm -hmm. And then make an adjustment. Fast forward 10 years. Where is that going to take you? And if you're on a road, if you're sad right now and you're depressed right now and you don't change anything, it's only going to lead to more depression more of it, and yeah. more of it. But if you have the courage now to just make, and it can just be a slight change, then 10 years down the road, you could be in a completely different place. One year down the road, two years down the road. Like it, it, it takes time, but I'm also a big proponent of this idea of incremental change. So if you... So, for example, if you have a problem with keeping your room clean, let's just let's just take that as an example. Right. I actually I'm a big believer that your house is a microcosm of your life as well, sure. like your room. So, yeah. if your room is messy, then you're probably disorganized, and your and your life is kind of a yeah, mess. Yeah, I right? agree with that. Yeah. And so, totally. I think if you want to change your life, start with changing your room. And there's there's that or cleaning your room. There's a guy that I admire named Jordan Peterson, and that's kind of what he, yeah. he talks about is cleaning your room. And so, so for example. Maybe you're not capable right now to clean your whole room. Maybe it's just too much for you. So just start by making your bed. Make your bed every single day. Yeah. And you do that every single day for a month. And then after a month, you become the type of person that can make his bed every day. Right. And then you say, okay, well, I don't really put my clothes away or I don't, I don't put my laundry away when I'm done. All right, well, that's your new thing. You've already built the habit of making your bed. Right. So move on to the next thing. And I think that we get so, like I said, short-minded and we want big change now, but it takes small change to make big change. And so break down the changes you need to do, you need to make in your life um, and just work on them one at a time. And, And slowly you'll see that incremental change does not yield incremental results, but exponential results. Right. So you do one thing every single day for a year, it's gonna yield way bigger results than just doing one little thing every day. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, that's great advice. I love it. Well, if someone wanted to reach out to you, Hayden, and get to know you better, mm-hmm. um, learn more about what you're doing, learn about your, your, your podcast, what would be the best way for them to reach out to you? Yeah. So you can, you can find me on Facebook. Hayden Paul is my name and I'm, I'm, ba- I'm in Salt Lake City, Utah. So you can type in Hayden Paul, Salt Lake City, Utah, or you can uh, reach out to me through email at Hayden at I stand at the door.com. Um, it's H A Y D E N. And, uh, yeah, if you have any questions or if, if you struggle with this, uh, problem of pornography and you, or you know someone that does, or you're a parent who's trying to navigate how to handle it with their children or your spouse, uh, write any questions and love to address them on the podcast. Um, but just for anyone listening, recovery and healing, it's real. And wherever you may be now, it doesn't need to be that way forever. And if you just have the courage to move forward, seek help, then you can set yourself up on a path to healing and and recovery. Yeah, love that. You know, going back on your story, when you were on your mission and you were feeling just the shame over, Mm -hmm. you know, like this cloud over you, but then you finally shared and how you Mm -hmm. felt like, oh, Mm-hmm. It feels so good to get this off my chest and I feel so much better. And when you said they didn't send you home, but your, your mission president said, go serve, serve. go mm-hmm. serve. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that hit me I mean, I even wrote it down. I'm like, mm-hmm. wow. I mean, how simple the answer is, but how powerful it is when we serve. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's what you're doing. I mean, look about what you're doing since all through your mission and, and all the way up to this point in your life, you, that's what you're doing. Yeah. And that's why I think I'm pointing this out for a reason is that's why you're successful in where you're at right now mm-hmm. because you're serving. And I want to, I say this because I want my listeners. Yeah. I think one of the greatest things we can do to overcome anything and to stay in the space we need to be is help someone else. Mm-hmm. And so I just, that hit me so hard when yeah. you shared that Hayden. Yeah. That tw- step 12 of the, um, of it, of the healing reco- or the addiction recovery booklet that I worked out of. It's having had an awakening through the atonement of Jesus Christ, 
share these pr- principles and practice them in all you do. Wow. And, and that's, that's, I still go to those 12 step meetings, right? Not just to share my story, but I get stuff out of it too. Right. And, and the last thing just that I'll share no, is you're good. I, you know, I've closed in on the enemy. I've taken, we've taken the enemy out back to my analogy about the cover and move. Yeah. Taking the enemy out. And now I've taken that position and now I'm just fortifying it because I know Ooh. the enemy's coming back. Yeah. And so gotta be ready I'm for fortifying it, it mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm doing daily things that are going to keep me, you know, on this path and, and, and away from, from this, this enemy. Yeah. Wow. Beautifully said. Well, Hayden, I can't thank you enough, man. Thank you for coming here and sharing your amazing story and being vulnerable. And, uh, you're just, you're doing amazing things. You are truly a light in this world. And I'm so blessed to be sitting here with you to hear it firsthand. <laughs> I feel the same way. You know what I mean? I feel the same way. Thank uh, you for no, what you do. No, you bet. I appreciate it. And I'm so grateful that our, our good friend Richard Osler got us mm-hmm. lined up. And uh, we love him and, yeah, and his work that he's doing. Mm-hmm. That guy's doing amazing work too. And awesome. It's just great to see all these people out there. And you're, you're, you're going to be doing that and you'll be doing this for the rest of your life. And mm-hmm. I'm excited to see where your stuff goes. And if there's anything I can do to help you in that cause, I'm, I'm here to help you. Of course. Thank you. I appreciate it. You betcha. Well, there you go, listeners, man. Another amazing story from another amazing individual. Um, please reach out to Hayden, um, especially if you are struggling with pornography or if you have a son or a daughter who's struggling with pornography. This guy knows what he's doing. He's been through it, and he's got a lot of great things that he can do to share and help you and or a loved one. So until next time, and I love you guys, and thanks for supporting this.